0: For the last series of Sundays that I have done, the sermons, I've tried to look at a CSI, trying to look at evidence throughout time. Today, I would now like to conclude that by saying, ready or not, here he comes. I'm sure we've heard that phrase at some point in our lives. Ready or not, here I come or surprise party, ready? Oh no, hurry up, they're coming. And no matter where you're at, I see this TV show that I've kind of enjoyed watching, it's called the 12-hour makeover. They flip a house in a 12-hour time period. It is fascinating to me, the planning that takes place. Obviously, they know that they have to plan everything in a warehouse down the road. And right at 7 a.m., the family leaves. The one person that knows about it gives a heads up to the crew. And as soon as the family pulls out one direction, you see the crew come in with their trucks. And in a 12-hour time period, they completely remake. Every once in a while, it's amazing how they edit the, the, the show, but you can see that they've got a lot of this to do. They're saying, oh, no, we got to do this, this, this. We need more time. And, uh, you know, inevitably, it's about that time that the person that has the family says, we're starting back now. And right away, the panic, oh no, we've got to hurry up because they're coming. So again, the sermon this morning is ready or not, here he, of course, speaking of Jesus, comes. A Bible group was discussing the unforeseen possibility of their sudden death. The leader of the discussion group says, we will all die someday. And none of us really know when, which is a true statement. But if we did know, if we we knew when we were going to die, we'd probably do a better job of preparing ourselves for that inevitable event. Everybody shook their heads, yes. So the leader asked the group of four, well, what would you do in planning if you knew. A gentleman said, I would go out into my community and minister the gospel to those who have not yet accepted the Lord into their lives. The group agreed that would be a very good thing to do. One lady spoke up and said, I would dedicate all of my remaining time to serving God, to serving my family and my church and my fellow man with a greater conviction. They all agreed that that would be a wonderful idea also. And then finally, one gentleman in the back finally spoke up loudly and said, I would go to my mother-in-law's house for the next four weeks. Everyone was puzzled by that answer. The group leader asked, why your mother-in-law's house? And then he quickly responded, because that would make it the longest four weeks of my life. The day before Mother's Day, one other illustration. A day before Mother's Day, a man in Phoenix called it. Today is the day be- or week before Mother's Day. Just to remind our mothers next week. Yes, mom, I remember. The day before Mother's Day, a man in Phoenix called his son in New York and said to him, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. 45 years is enough. We're sick of each other. So please call your sister in Chicago and tell her the news. Frantic, the son hung up. He called his sister immediately, exploded on the phone. There's no way they're getting a divorce. She shouted back, I'll take care of this. She immediately called Phoenix and said to her father, you are not getting a divorce. Don't do a single thing until your son and I get there. I'm calling him back. And we'll both be there in the morning. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? And she slammed the phone down. The man turned to his wife with a smile on his face and said, Okay, honey, it's done. The kids are coming for Mother's Day, and this time they're paying for the flights. (laughs) Well, I guess when we think about it, sometimes people do strange things or go to extraordinary lengths in order to accomplish their purposes for example we think about as i was mentioning the surprise parties or events that we've had for people we think about all that was involved the planning such an event so that it would turn out exactly the way we had planned and it would be something that we could remember folks now in the christian sense We all should be anticipating a very special event also. In fact, Jesus himself talked about it in during the last supper that he had, the last time he spent with his apostles, right before his arrest and crucifixion. I'm sure we remember that event. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him. He had told the apostles again and again, that his kingdom was not of this world, and that the time would come when his enemies would kill him, but that he would rise again. But somehow, it seems like that didn't sink in. They couldn't understand how they could possibly have that happen to their Lord, their Messiah. But on this last night, in the upper room, Jesus told them plainly, that the time had come, and that one of them would betray him. Jesus even went on to say, you will all fall away. That's when Peter declared, Lord, I am ready to go with you into prison and to death. We know that Jesus answered to him, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times, That you know me. We of course find that in Luke chapter 22, verses 33 and 34. Then we go to John 14, verses 1 through 3. You can remember the confusion and gloom that settled over them. Jesus began to speak some of the most familiar verses in the Bible. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And I go to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me. That where I am, you may be also. Did you hear that? a definite promise that Jesus is coming again. A few few weeks later in Jesus' life, he repeated that promise. We know 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus met with his disciples on the Mount of Olives for the very last time. And Luke says that they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set up by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem that everything I have taught and have told you will come true. You'll be witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth." After he said this, he was taken up before their very own eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently upon him up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus has ta- been taken from you into heaven. The same Jesus will come back in the same way you have seen him go. That we can read in Acts chapter six. Oh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter one, verse six through eleven. Acts one six through eleven. So we know it is true. Jesus is coming. Years later, the Apostle Paul writes to the Christians in Thessalonica in First Thessalonians. Chapter four, verses 13 through 18, he writes, brothers or brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. It has been said or stated in the books of the Old Testament from Genesis all through Malachi. They could sum it up. Jesus is coming. You think about that. From the book of Genesis all the way through the Old Testament to Malachi. The message you read over and over again, Jesus is coming. Then we take the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we call the Gospels, proclaim that Jesus is currently here. Jesus lives among us. The remaining 23 books of the New Testament tell us Jesus is coming again. Jesus ascended to heaven. All that preparation was made. And it is now all an encouragement to us to be prepared because Jesus is coming again. There is no doubt about it. God's word tells us more than 300 times that Jesus is coming once again. But when he comes, what do we know? Some will rejoice. It will be the happiest time of their life. Others will be terrified. They always say that you can't please everyone. We know in this situation, that is true. You're either obedient or you're not. In a little bit, we'll get to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus spoke himself about the joy or the terrified. We know that that is what we look at as we look at these things that take place. The Apostle Paul tells us, the coming of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. First Thessalonians 5 and 2. In First Thessalonians 4 and 17, the Bible also says, We will all still uh, be alive and are left. Those that are alive and left will be caught up in the air, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. For Christians, this won't be a terrifying experience. It will be an exciting experience and an anticipated arrival for those that have long awaited a friend to return. Have you, I'm sure that sometime... We've been startled where we didn't expect somebody. You know, I, I love that when my brother used to come home from the service and if my parents didn't let us know the shock when all of a sudden he walked in and you, you know, you have that surprise, that startle, something totally unexpected. I love to watch the reunion of families like that. It might be at a football game or whatever, and they think they're part of a ceremony, and all of a sudden the dad shows up in place of somebody else. And the, the surprise and the shock on the kids. We know that Jesus will have a great announcement. The sound, I can't even imagine what the sound will be like. If it's night, I'm sure it'll be bright as day. We know that everyone on earth, as it says, will know what is happening. The trumpet sounds, Jesus being seen in the air again, as he was when he ascended and calling up those, the blessedness for those that are prepared, the fear and sadness, because there is no, The way I understand it, there is no explanation at that time. Simple people think they can talk their way out of a lot of things. I picture, at that moment, you're going in different directions. I would just say, basically, God has made his judgment at that time, as we know. A story is told that many years ago, a man conned his way into being a member of the orchestra of the Empire of China, although he couldn't play a note. He had put on a facade. One day, the emperor requested a solo from each musician to see their progress and to hear each one individually. The man, of course, knew that he couldn't hold up to what was expected of him. So he became sick, but he didn't fool the physician that attended to him. He realized that he himself was an imposter impostor to that, and he would be found out. So he took poison and killed himself. The explanation of his suicide led to a phrase that we all know very well. In the English language, we would say he couldn't face the music. Today, someone can pretend to be part of God's orchestra by just blending in with the crowd and going through the motions. No one notices because we say the right things, we go to the right places, we hang out with the right people. But there will be a time, there will be a day when each and every one of us must face the music. God has given us our own individual music to play. I can't tell you Individually, the talents, we know God has given us each talent. We don't know what each has done, but God will be that judgment. God, on that day of judgment, God will be the judge. We will stand alone before God and give an account of our lies. Not verbally give an account. We will stand there and God will already know our sentence. God will explain to us what he has noticed throughout our lifetime. The decisions that we made, the life we lived, the relationships we had with his son. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7 tells us, This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Some will rejoice, but others will be terrified. For in that moment, when Christ appears in the sky... They will suddenly realize that at that moment it is too late. They will reap at that time what they have sown. They gambled with their future. God allows us the freedom to make our own choices. But as Christians, we are responsible to warn the world that Jesus is coming again. Everyone needs to be ready. Matthew 24, 36 I know that there are many predictions and calculations concerning Jesus' coming, but what does it say? Matthew 24, 36 says, No one knows the day or the hour. That's why we must always be ready and constantly helping others to get ready also. God stands waiting and willing to forgive. Tragically, we know in life, there are individuals losing their life at this very moment. About every three seconds I've heard, and I don't know if that's quicker, but at one statistic I heard every three seconds, someone loses their life. You don't know were they ready or not. We know that we all have had that shock. When we think back, we hear of somebody's death. We think, I just talked to them yesterday. And we are shocked, especially the unexpected by accident, or just those that, you know, just, Out of the blue, we would say. We know that God stands waiting and willing to forgive. We don't know what time we have. He has patiently postponed his judgment to give us more chances to come and repent and more opportunities for people to see and hear a sermon through our own individual lives. Don't let that time squander. Eventually, that patience will be replaced by justice, and evil will be punished. Some years ago, an old-time minister was Johnny Carson's guest on The Tonight Show. At one point, Carson asked him, "'Sir, what do you think would happen "'if Jesus came back to earth again?' "'I bet we'd betray him "'and probably put him to death once again.' Carson said to the minister, to which the minister leaned forward in his seat and said, you know, Johnny, Jesus said he will return. So it's not like a shock. But the first time he came in love, the first time he came in love, the next time he'll come in power and no one is going to do him in or put him to death believe me when jesus returns he won't have to announce his re- arrival he won't have to say anything and as i was doing the csi parts there won't be any doubt that that is jesus returning there will be no confusion at that point every as it says every eye will see And every knee will bow. There will be no question. I know when I was growing up, and many people probably had that idea. Couldn't Jesus have saved himself when he was crucified? Yes. That is the love that he had for us. The love that is so deep we couldn't even understand. At any point... Jesus could have overruled everything, but he chose to be in that place for each and every one of us. The power that all those men thought they had. But it was Jesus' words that said, you would have no power unless it was given to you by my Father, by heaven. That is the only power there ever is or was or will be. That is the power. When Jesus knows when he comes back, not in a sign of revenge, because his own words on the cross, Father, forgive these men, for they know not what they do. The worst punishment anyone could receive given by them and Jesus asked them to be forgiven. But when Jesus comes, as that minister was trying to point out to Johnny Carson and there all the audience, when Jesus comes that second time, he will, it's guaranteed. There is no ifs, ands, and buts. And when he does, every knee will know. When you see a glorified being right on a cloud with trumpets playing in stereo as loud as could be, trust me, we all will know that it is Jesus coming back. On the dome of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., is the following inscription. Our ancestors knew where their trust, or, or at least what their thought was at that time. One God, one law, one element... And interesting, the final statement. And one far-off divine event toward which the whole creation moves. I found that interesting. I did not know that. One far-off divine event towards which the whole creation moves. Folks, we must be prepared for Jesus and his coming again. Had you been on the British coast in 1845, you might've been two ships boarded by 138 of England's finest sailors setting sail for the Arctic. What was their task? To chart a Northwest passage around the Canadian Arctic to the Pacific. The captain, Sir John Franklin, hoped that this effort would be the turning point in Arctic exploration. History shows that it was, not because of its success, but because of its failure. You see, the ships never returned. Every crew member perished, and those who followed in the expedition's path to the Arctic Pole, North Pole, learned this lesson, prepare for the journey. Apparently, they had not. Though the passage was projected to last two or three years, The captain only carried a 12-day supply of coal for the steam engines. But what he lacked in fuel he made up for in entertainment. From what we understand, each ship carried 1,200 books, a volume library. It had a hand organ, china place settings for officers and men, cut glass wine goblets, sterling flatware, Was the crew planning for an Arctic expedition or a Caribbean cruise, the question was asked. The sailors carried no special clothing to protect them against the cold, only the uniforms of Her Majesty's fleet. They were thin and inadequate to keep warm. Strange how men could embark on such a journey, so ill-prepared, more equipment for afternoon tea than for the Arctic Sea. But stranger still, how? We sometimes do the same in life. Just like Sir John Franklin, we sometimes act as if life is just a cruise. We have little fuel, but lots of entertainment. We are more concern with looking good than being prepared. We give more thought to table settings than surviving the journey. We give little thought to the destination. If we sail unprepared, it is not God's fault. He left detailed instructions. His word, it is our map. We know the Holy Spirit is our compass. He outlined the route and described the landmarks we should seek. He even sent his son as a guide, a personal guide, to guide us along the way. To tell of the trials and tribulations we may face, but the rewards that weigh outweigh totally the trials. And someday we will follow them. We will stand before Him and hear the words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But the sad thing is that the Bible we know says that there will be many who will not be prepared. We can read, as I mentioned, Matthew 25. I'd like to close in reading verses 1 through 10. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil with their vessels, with their lamps, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. All excited, you would think. I'm going to pause here. You think about how the excitement, the joy, the bridegroom's here. But the foolish said unto the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, Not so, lest we not have enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while those foolish were gone, the unprepared, while they left to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. those that weren't prepared were locked out. Verse 13, a message to us. Verse 13 says, be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. As we come together this morning, we have wonderful news. We know that Jesus is coming again. We should all be looking forward to that day with anticipation. (laughs) I don't want to hear the words, depart from me, for I never knew you. I want to be part of God's family. Do you? It is our privilege to make known the joy that we have and to invite others to share that joy, to lift each other up when we fail, to strengthen each other when we are weak, to cry together, to pray together, to rejoice together that's the privilege we have as Christians. I offer to you forgiveness of your sins through Jesus Christ. I offer you a heavenly home and a heavenly family. We know that God and Jesus invite you to come to him this morning as together we stand and sing our song of invitation.